The message, Who Cares About a Penny, was birthed on an airplane, of all things. I was, was on a flight, and I picked up the Spirit magazine out of Southwest, uh, the pocket out of the chair there, and I began reading it, and in this magazine was an article about two girls who, in Minneapolis, Minnesota, who became very concerned about the, the homeless of Minneapolis. And so they came up with a plan to begin to start collecting pennies. And so they went on a penny drive, and to shorten the story, uh, for time's sake, they raised $750,000 just collecting pennies. Most of us, when we look at a penny, we really don't even think about it because it's the lowest denomination of our currency. Uh, there was a time, ladies and gentlemen, when, and, and I'm going to date myself, but a penny was, wow. I mean, a penny gets you like five pieces of bazooka bubble gum. Yeah, laugh, jokers. Some of us remember, don't we, you know? I mean, we, we would collect pop bottles because pop bottles would give you uh, a 10 cents. Yeah, come on now. <laughs> and 10 cents, man, would it fill the, the basket of your bike with candy. I mean, now a penny is really... Most of us don't even think about walking over a penny. Now, some of us won't even bend over for a dollar because it's a long way to the ground. But a penny. A, a, a penny doesn't mean really much. And there's a story in the Bible, and, and I would like for you to write it down, put it in your notes, and spend some time. It's, it's in John chapter 6. John chapter 6 is a phenomenal story where Jesus feeds 5,000 people. And we rejoice that he fed 5,000 people. We rejoice that there were 12 baskets of fragments picked up. But to precursor the story, there are 5,000 people and Jesus had just finished teaching. And the disciples are ready to send them away hungry, let them go fend for themselves. And Jesus said, if I send them away hungry, they're going to faint in the way. They're not going to make it back home. So we've got to make them a meal. And, and, and so one of the disciples said, man, 200 penny worth of bread is not enough to feed these people. And then Andrew comes running up and he said, hey, Lord, I found a little lad. And he has a lunch. It's five loaves and two fishes. And then he makes this, this statement, but he said, but what is this among so many? It's insignificant. It really, it really pales in comparison to the need. And how often, ladies and gentlemen, do we sometimes look at the circumstances or the situation of our world and think how insignificant we are even as a church, how insignificant we are as a person. What, what part can I play in the grand scheme of life and redemption? And we feel sometimes very insignificant and worthless. 
And so the message, who cares about a penny, was birthed from that story and then the Bible story. And, and God sent me to this church almost 10 years ago to preach that message because he wanted us to understand the value of a penny. See, if you take one penny and add it to the other two that's laying over there somewhere, and then you add a few more, before long you have 10 of them, that makes a dime. And then if you have 50 of them, that's 50 cents. If you have 100, it's, it's a dollar and, and so forth. Because it's not the principle of the individual, it's the principle of the collection. So even Jesus, when he would give revelation to John, he would say that I heard a noise as of many waters. And he said, there was a number that no man could number. And if you're not careful, you will look at that and just say, wow, the masses of humanity that are saved. But you've got to break it down because if you simply look at the macro vision of what you see, you will fail to understand it's made up of individuals just like you and I. It's made up of people. And every person is significant to God. And so the gist of the message that I preached uh, so many years ago was that every soul matters. Every soul matters. And so God began to deal with me about this. And, and, and when we look at humanity, sometimes we're quick to profile people. We profile them by, by color. We profile them by gender. We profile them by economics. We profile them by whether we like them or not at our first encounter. We, we do all this kind of thing. And, and then we, we often say, well, they wouldn't want Jesus anyway. And yet, can I say to you, ladies and gentlemen today, and myself, that Calvary was about every single individual that will ever live. Calvary was not just a corporate event. Calvary was an individual event. Calvary was about the souls of men. The psalmist said that every soul is precious unto the Lord. Every soul. And so every soul, whether they're, they're black or white, yellow or red, whether they have money or have no money, whether they have been used or they are the user, whether they have been conquered or they are the conqueror, whether they are victims or victims, uh, victimers, it does not matter. Every soul matters to Jesus. And so from that the Lord has sent me here to begin to talk to this church. And, and so I want to begin by, by dissecting a couple words. Now, now we, our basis is Pentecost. Our basis is, is strongly tied to emotionalism. How many understand that? I mean, we like to get with it. Come on, somebody. We like to, we like to get with it. I'm coming to church today, and I've got my music on, and, and I've got the bass on my truck as loud as it can go, and, I, and I'm just rocking out to Jesus on the way to church, and, and I look over, and there's this person looking at me. Hi. How you doing? We like to feel it. We like the emotion of it. And there's two words that I want to explore with you for just a few moments here before we leave. And the first word is passion. Passion. Now, passion simply means a strong and barely controllable emotion. 
And I want to drive these points home because it, it is so prevalent to what God wants to say to this church. A passion is a strong and barely controllable emotion. How many of you know people that are passionate? They're passionate. But how many understand that passions, they may be passionate about one thing right now, but give them five minutes. Now, now I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying that's how passionate people work. Some of you look at it like, man, you know, you, you quit believing in people because they've had so many passions. I mean, it changes almost with the clock. Every, every strike of the minute or strike of the hour, they've got a new passion because it's a strong and barely controllable motion. I mean, they're like, man, I, I tend to be that way. I've got a cleric personality, but I've got a sanguine personality, and the sanguine part of me often takes over the cleric part of me, and so I can become passionate. I can become moved. Compassion is woven into the tapestry of who I am. But passion is not enough because I can be passionate about something right now, but you may come to me and tell me something you're passionate about, and if I'm not careful, I change trains. Am I helping anybody? Passion. You're driven by the mood of the emotion of, of the moment. You're driven by the emotion. Uh, some, some of us, a, a song that's sung moves us. It, it, it gets in us. I mean, it kind of it gets us moving. But then the next song, it's like, well, that, that's got to be for somebody else. It's not for me. That's passion. And, and it's, it's a strong, barely, I mean, you've got these people in your life that come running up to you, oh, you got, you got to get in this. You, you, I mean, I'm telling you, it's not going to be six months and I'm going to be a millionaire. I'm selling Amway. And then next week, it's like, oh, man, I got it now. I got it now. It will not only make you money, it will help you lose weight. Herbalife. You, you know what I'm talking about. And it's from one passion. And, and what happens is passionate people rarely stay with something long enough Some of you thinking about your uncle right now. Passionate people rarely stay with something long enough to see it come to fruition. They, they're, 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 they abort the process before it ever has a chance to come to birth. Passionate people. The other word that I want to explore with you today, and we're going to go deeper in these, but the other word is zeal. Look at the definition for zeal. Great energy or enthusiasm in pursuit of a cause or an objective. See, if passion never turns into zeal, you will constantly be being swayed by the latest thing to come along. Every passing fancy will move you to something else. 
And you'll look back someday on your life and you'll say, man, I was passionate about a lot of things, but nothing ever really got done. It's only when passion gives the, the way to a zeal, because zeal is what caused Jesus not just to simply look at the cross, but to lay down on the cross. We often call the passion of the Christ. But ladies and gentlemen, passion took him to the cross, but zeal caused him to say, no man taketh my life from me, I lay it down. And I think in some aspects, ladies and gentlemen, that we have become so passionate about different things uh, that we go from passion to passion to passion. And the Holy Ghost sent me here to tell this local assembly that it's time we go from passion to an enduring process. The Bible said that Jesus set his eyes like a flint towards Jerusalem. And even when Peter said to him, you're not going to Jerusalem, Jesus looked at him and said, get behind me, Satan. Then Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2 tells us, who for the joy that was set before him endured. Somebody shout endured. Endured. Passion will cause you temporarily to buy in, but zeal will keep your nose to the ground to finish something you started. Is anybody with me today? See, passion will cause you to fall in love with the person, but zeal will keep you in the relationship. I mean, passion is where you're like, man, I've never seen eyes like yours. Your voice is like angels. And then two weeks later, you're like, I think that's the devil speaking. <laughs> Passion will move you into the relationship, but zeal will keep you. Am I helping anybody today? Passion will cause you to change jobs, but zeal will keep you in a job. Mm -hmm. Passion will cause you to start something, but zeal will cause you to finish something. See, the Bible said, he that endureth to the end. <laughs> See, sometimes you've got to go past, and I will say, dare say, most of the time, you have to go past the emotional. Because if you only get emotionally stimulated about something, then you've got to keep fueling the emotions. And you and I cannot keep fueling the emotion of things. We can't keep fueling the passion because we're going to see something that we like better. Oh, that new car looks prettier than my car. That computer's better than my computer. That looks better than where I'm at. That person, I think, would treat me better than this person treating me. And passion will move from passion to passion to passion. But zeal said, he that begun a good work in me is going to finish the work. Zeal said, I started this thing, then I'm going to finish this thing. Anybody feel me today? See, passion rides the wave of emotion, but zeal sets in the will of a person. Passion is excited, zeal is committed. Passion chases the wind wherever it goes, Zeal rose, rose hard in the same direction. Passion 
gets married, zeal stays married. Passion has a, veal, a vision, zeal has the strength to finish the vision. Passion wants to change the world, zeal is willing to work long hard hours with limited affirmation for years to actually change the world. So passions come and passions go. But zeal becomes the cement that causes you to stick with something until it's finished. I started this degree two, two years and four or five months ago, and I was so zealous about it, man, I was just like, I'm going to do this. And, and about six months into it, I was tired of reading. I didn't want to read another book. I didn't want to see another book. I didn't want to write another paper. But the zeal said, you started this, you got to finish it. About six months ago, eight months ago, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to take a break. I'm just not going to finish this. I'll, I'll finish it later. And, and something inside of me said, you started this, and now you got to finish it. Because passion doesn't take into account the cost. Passion gets you excited about, woo, man, I can see stars. But it doesn't take into consideration the energy you're going to have to put in. It doesn't take into account the time you're going to have to invest. It, it doesn't take into account the building of relationship that you're going to have to do. It, it, it doesn't, it, it does, it forecasts the illustrious but it, but it doesn't take into account the pain. See, passion brings Jesus to the cross, but passion says, if it be possible, let this cup. Passion brings him to Gethsemane, but passion says, I want another cup. Passion says, I want another destination. Passion says, take this one away and give me something new. Hmm. But zeal said, yeah, if it's possible, I'll take another cup. But nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. See, Passion doesn't take into account that some of the things you do will not be appreciated. Passion does not take into account that not everybody's going to be excited about what you're doing because sometimes just becoming committed to the task puts other people at great discomfort. Because you just simply sticking with the task brings condemnation to them because they are passion driven and they're looking for the next great adventure 
while you just simply put your nose to the ground and say, I'm going to work through the difficulty of this. I'm going to pay the price of this. Whatever God's asking me to do, I'm going to do it. I'm going to become committed to this. See, passion says, I'm looking for another church. Passion says, I'm looking for another ministry. Passion says, I'm looking for another excitable moment. But tenacity and zeal says, there's going to be some Sundays I don't enjoy going to church, but I started this thing and I'm committed to this thing and I'm a part of this thing and I'm willing to pay the price whatever the price is I'm committed to this so you see the difference I know I'm, I'm elaborating the point but do you see the difference between passion and zeal and so I want you to take three things and I'll deal with this more in the in the coming weeks but there's three things and I'm, I'm hastening to the end here but there's three things that I want you to take with you from this passion versus zeal. Put those back on the screen, brother, brother Kyle. Passion is a strong and barely controllable emotion, while zeal is great energy or enthusiasm in pursuit of a cause or an objective. Stephen Covey in his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he says, you begin with an end in mind. You begin with the destination, you begin and then you work towards that. Now it's not all in the destination because if you're so focused on the destination you miss the journey. And part of life is just simply the journey. The journey of who you get to do life with is amazing. My wife and I just in a, in a two months will celebrate 34 years of marriage. And Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. But, but I can tell you in 34 years of marriage, there have been times when it would have been easier to walk out. And you're like, you two? I mean, you're, you're just like, man, you just drip with love. We were committed. We're committed to it. I can tell you as a man, now wives don't look funny at your husbands, okay, if, you're, if, you're, if they're there. But I can tell you as a man, I've fallen in and out of love with other people. That's passion. I've looked at other women and said, I think she would probably have done things different. probably get killed for this after a while, but y'all come to my funeral. <laughs> but you know what? I went back home to the one I was committed to. Y'all sitting there, all the men sitting like, and your wife's like, Do you, have you ever done that? Not me. <laughs> That's his problem, not mine. Man, there's going to be some amazing conversations at lunch today. I could just imagine. Was he, was, was pastor truthful today? I don't know where he got that. I have no clue where that came from. We, he's got problems. We better pray for pastor. 
But passion will do that. Passion, in, in fact, psych, in the world of psychology, they say that the average man will fall in love multiple times with multiple women through the years. But it's commitment that causes you to stay with the same woman. <laughs> Putting up with their... I'm not going there. I'm not going there. <laughs> and them putting up with... Hmm. It's a mutual benevolence for the cause, for the commitment. And so i gotta, I got to close, but I want to give you three things. And if you're taking notes, and I would highly, highly recommend that you write these things down. The first thing is that we don't need to be emotional about the presence of God. We need to be zealous about the presence of God. We need to be in pursuit. We need to be in pursuit of God's presence. See, most of us are committed on Sunday. But when you step over from, from the passionate to the zealous, you, you, you will be as, as much pursuit of God's presence on Monday as you were on Sunday. Now, I'm not talking about you having six-hour prayer meetings every Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, but, but there's a pursuit of God's presence. It, it may involve something like changing the selection of music you listen to. I, got, I went there. I mean, it may go from, from Bon Jovi to listen to some Jesus culture. For some, that's not, that's not a big shift, but, but for others, that's a major shift. I mean, a pursuit, a, a passion will cause you to get up and come to church regardless of what time it is. But, but a zealousness will cause you to get up early and say, what can I do to benefit the kingdom of God today? Could I go to church a little early and pray for the worship team or pray for the pastor or pray for the chairs? Can, can I, see, a zealousness, zealousness and a pursuit of God is not asking for how less I can do, but it's saying, God, is there more that I can do? Get a little tight, get a little... Hit your neighbor and say, it's okay. Don't hit them too hard, but just say it's okay. A pursuit of God's presence. See, a passion for God's presence will cause you to come in, and if they don't sing your song, if the preacher doesn't preach what you think he ought to, you'll just kind of walk out and say, well, it was okay, but... But a zealousness says, man, they can sing Amazing Grace. I don't care because I came to worship and all they're doing is help me get into the presence of God. They're not carrying me into the presence of God. They're making, oh, help me, Holy Ghost. A, a zealousness transfer, it's not about me, it's about Him. A passion is about how do I feel? What is in it for me? But a zealousness is, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable unto thee, O God. A zealousness is, Lord, I'm lifting up holy hands without doubt and without wrath. A zealousness says, God, I want you to minister in the lives of others. It's not about me because this narcissistic generation that we live in is so passion-driven. But the commitment level is low.
And so three things I, I want you to get first is a pursuit or a, a zealousness for the, God's presence. A zealousness for God's presence will cause you to roll out of bed earlier than your alarm is set because God wants to talk to you. Am I helping anybody today? A zealousness will cause you to walk up to somebody unintimidated and ask him if they have a relationship with Jesus. A passion will just simply say, do you know what they're going to think of me? They're, they're going to think I'm weird. They're going to think, I, I want to do it. I, I would like to ask them if they know Jesus. But we're so concerned about our feelings. God, I feel like I'm really helping somebody today. It's, it's about my feelings. No, it's not about your, your feelings. It's about his presence. And so become pursuant of his presence. Number two, the second thing is there is a pursuit for God's house. There's a pursuit for God's house. Passion says we want every chair filled. But being zealous or having zeal says I'm going to take responsibility for a chair to be filled. Oh, no, pastor. Where'd that come from? I begin to talk about let's build a new building. And there are a lot of Sundays that we need another building. We need more space. But then the Lord comes and says, why don't you fill up what you've got? Uh, sorry, I, I know. I feel like a surgeon that just made an incision with no anesthetic. Because who cares? about a penny. And so, in prayer, Lord, we need a, another building. And God says, why don't you fill the building that you have? And he says to me, he that is faithful in the little, but God, See, here's kind of my conversation with God. God, don't you know what we could do with more seats? Don't you know what we could do with bigger children's ministry? Don't you know what my passion? And then the Lord says, well, how committed are you to filling every seat that I gave you? So a passion for God's house. How does, how do, how does that work? Well, it changes from a passion to a zeal. It becomes where I won't miss church regardless of who's preaching. <laughs> I love you. I won't miss church because my passion wants me to go do something else. My passion says, well, I'll get there just in time for service. My zeal says, maybe I could become a volunteer to welcome people into church. Right. Mm -hmm. 
See, the consumer mindset has overridden our commitment to be part of something. Our consumerism says, I just want what's best for me. But when you become zealous, you're saying, I want what is best for others. I'm committed to the house of God. I'm committed to God's house. I'm committed to, Lord, anything I can do. If, if I can become on the welcome team, if I can get there early and, and walk around and pray for every chair in the sanctuary and ask you to touch every person that sits in those chairs, if, if I can become part of something that's going on in the house. See, ladies and gentlemen, it's, it's not about just becoming, oh man, rah, 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 I'm just so excited about this. It's becoming the legs and the feet and the hands and the voice of Jesus. God's house. Passion says, I'll go if nothing, if I don't have anything better to do. Zeal says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Am I helping anybody today? Thank you for all four hands that were clapped. Zeal says, I'm part of a cause. See, David walked up to the hill where his brethren were fleeing back to their tents. And Goliath was standing there saying, I defy the armies of the Lord God. And David said, is there not a cause? David was willing to risk his life to fight something bigger and badder than he. He was because it wasn't just the passion. See, this is the David that when nobody was watching, and see what you do when nobody's watching really is a greater reflection of you than what you're doing when everybody's watching. What you do when nobody's watching is a greater reflection of who you are than when everybody's watching you. If it's your parade and it's your star, you're the star of the show and you're, you're all that and everybody sees you and you can shine in that moment, but when that moment's gone, you fizzle like twinkle little star. It shows a lot of passion, but it doesn't show a lot of zeal. And so God's house... I will be faithful to God's house. I, I, will, I will get there early. I will see what I can do to help. Is there something I can do? Is there, is there a vacuum or, or some Windex? Or is there something I can do for God's house to become part of this? It becomes a zeal. And the third and final point that I want to make today is a pursuit of souls or we're pursuing souls. One of the things that God spoke to me distinctly, I heard his voice. He said, when did I tell you to start having church for you and not for the lost?